Hi, it's Puno. I think I've mentioned this before, but if you're just tuning in for the first time, aside from hosting Girl Boss Radio, I'm also the founder of a small lifestyle business called I Love Creatives. My mom always says, I love creatives, because <laughs> she does too. One thing we do at I Love Creatives is we teach people how to make Squarespace websites. And the reason why my business can exist, why there's a demand for specifically Squarespace designers, is because the number of small businesses have grown a ton. Last year, women alone started 1,800 net new businesses every day. But only about 25% of women business owners sought business financing like loans or venture capital or angel investing. And that was not me. I was the 75% of women who were bootstrappers, meaning I paid for my business with my own cash money. That's right, by freelancing, while also growing my business. And that's not easy because you just don't know how long it's gonna take for your business to bring in enough revenue in order for you to quit your job or in my case, quit freelancing. All small business founders are essentially living in this state of uncertainty at all times. Wait, why are we putting ourselves through this? Well, I can't speak for everyone, but a business was a way for me to express how I wanted to live in the world. I know, she's deep, <laughs> but it's true. I wanted this fun, like goofy company that doesn't take things seriously and I could just be myself. And today our guest, Vanessa Acosta, she's doing the same thing. She's making a world that she wants to live in. Vanessa is the founder of WASI, an ethical, fair, and equal wage clothing company that taps into her Bolivian culture. I actually just bought the Estoy Happy hat because, well, I love hats. But also, Estoy Happy, yeah, true story. Vanessa got furloughed from her job right when the pandemic started. Of course, you gotta wallow. She wallowed for like a day. Then Vanessa got on TikTok and that's when Wasi just started really blowing up. In today's episode, we're gonna be talking about growing pains of entrepreneurship, the importance of ethical fashion, what it was like for her to work in the fashion industry, and she's gonna throw down some knowledge about TikTok, because not everybody's on that TikTok train yet. All right, woo, let's do this. How are you? Oh my gosh. I um so I just wanted to say that we both know Priscilla. Castro? Yeah. Yo, yeah, I love I love her. Dude. She's great. You know she's good when you do the lean back and then the <gasps> yeah. reminiscing of all the amazing <laughs> things that that person is. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about your family, about you, where you've come from, where you grew up. Okay, where do I start? My parents immigrated here from Bolivia. They're both Bolivians. And I was born in Virginia because there's actually a larger Bolivian community on the East Coast. But soon after I was born, we immediately moved to California, conservative capital of Orange County. <laughs> so it was definitely very interesting growing up as a brown girl in such a white, upper class neighborhood. We were more middle class, 
but that's where I grew up. I was kind of in between these two worlds. My parents, they are also small business owners. It's a one-stop shop for a lot of like the Mexican-American community in Orange County. So they help with, with legal services. I don't know what to list because there's so many things. They also are tax preparers, so they're also accountants. Oh, so did that influence your decision of either not starting or starting a business? I never really thought about what I would be doing now. And I always dreamed I would have my own clothing brand and everything. But my parents are such numbers people. And they're not they don't have like that artistic bone in their body. So I never looked at it in the same realm. It was just like so foreign to me based off of what I was interested in. But the great thing about my parents is that they actually saw that artistic skill in me. So they like invested money in that, which is not common uh, in like Latinx parents. But I never realized that until I started speaking to like other Latinx creatives and they're like, oh yeah, like it's so uncommon for parents to actually invest money in like creative artsy realm type of stuff. Immigrant Latinx parents want you to be a doctor or like a lawyer, have those like, American dream jobs. They were like, she draws really well. So let's put her into art school. Let's get her the supplies. So they understood that about me from a very young age. But yeah, I never looked at their business the same what I would be building later on in the future. But now as an adult, I'm actually really, (laughs) really lucky that I have tax preparers as parents. Yeah. So they can like (laughs) help me with like the money side of things. Because you grew up with parents that were in this world, Are you learning that kind of stuff or is it more of like, just help me and then I can do the fun stuff? In the very beginning, it was more like that. Just help me with stuff. I don't want to deal with it. But now I'm actually taking my business seriously because when I first started selling online, I was just like, oh, this is just extra income to make while I have my full-time job. But now that I'm more involved in it, I'm learning more about it. And things that like my parents would talk about in the past that I never paid attention to. Now I'm like, remember these things that they used to tell me when I was younger and now I have to apply this, but it's definitely helped that they're like, okay, we'll help you out with this, but also like teach you so you know down the line and in the future, because they're not gonna always be around. (laughs) True, and then also, you know the business. Mm -hmm. So you're the person who can decide on making specific investments because you're like, I know I can cut costs here and I can do it there. Is there something that sticks out that you could hear your parents saying to you over and over again? Like, what is their big advice for you always in terms of business? The thing that always sticks with me, and it has nothing to do with money, since I've been interested in fashion, they've always told me, do something Bolivian. And I was stubborn, still young, and I was like, let me find my own aesthetic. I'm still going to fashion school. Let me find what I like or how I design And I think that's what I remember. My parents are like very Bolivian and proud. So when they saw that I could be making money off my skills, they were like, there's so much that you can do with Bolivia. And imagine how many Bolivians would be interested in this. And it didn't click with me till just a couple years ago. Oh, wow. I'm second generation. Mm -hmm. So for me, I strive to like get my Filipino, my Korean roots. But it's this weird thing where I'm just like, I don't know, that's not really me in a way, even though it is really me. Did you feel like that at all? Oh, yeah. 
100%. When I was like maybe around seven-ish years old, I actually lived in Bolivia. My parents decided they wanted to go back to Bolivia. So I felt like an imposter even as a child because my Spanish wasn't as good as it could be. And I was thrown into a Spanish-speaking school knowing more English at that point than Spanish. So I didn't even feel like I belonged when I went to Bolivia. And then when we came back to the U.S., being in California, Southern California, it's mostly a Mexican-American population. So I didn't feel like I belonged within the Latinx community in Southern California. So I've always been like trying to find this mixed hyphenated identity. So you definitely get that imposter syndrome. And I've spoken about this before with the Bolivians that do follow the brand, where like sometimes you question whether like, should I be doing this? Am I Bolivian enough for like the community to be representing this stuff? And It's the journey of any hyphenated person. You never feel like you belong here nor there, which is like part of the journey and that's okay. People who shame, people who are trying to figure that out, not cool. Get out of here. (laughs) (laughs) Because I've had these conversations and I've realized that there's so many of us out there that feel exactly the same way. It's quite a journey, but I've been learning a lot about myself, my culture, where I stand, my parents, how they raised us, and yeah. I love that though. I definitely feel very similar to you in that my parents weren't traditional immigrant parents. And so I never could even relate to the Asian American kids Mm -hmm. because I was still a little different from them. And this is where I feel like Wasi is, it's a little bit of a manifestation of all of these realizations and adjectives and characteristics, you know? Right. And your business can help you do that because you are always having to explain it. When you decided to go all in with Wasi and really hone in on the Bolivian part of yourself, do you think that changed Wasi's direction? When I first started Wasi, the first things that I put on the internet were actually the Ohio designs, the Bolivian textile designs. Oh, so you went straight in right away. (laughs) (laughs) It was just fabric I had sitting around and I was just like, let me do something with this. And immediately like people loved it. So that was the mission to begin with. But I also knew that I didn't want it to just be strictly for Bolivians. And like you said, there's so many things that end up manifesting in the business. And yes, I'm Bolivian, but I'm also more than being Bolivian. I'm a Bolivian American and I'm also a Latina. So I think a lot of what I identify as seeps through in the business. It's definitely got the Bolivian roots, but it also speaks on being a person of color, being a Latina and being a woman and all of that. Oh, hey, Puno. It's me, Carly, producer extraordinaire of Girl Boss. Oh, hey, Carly. I, I might be reading a little ad. Oh, I love a little story time. Let's do it. Well, I wanted to know if your 2021 goals included maybe growing your business. Yeah, for sure. That means you're probably going to need to add new members to your team, right? Absolutely, I am. Then let me tell you, LinkedIn Jobs has got your back. Oh. LinkedIn Jobs finds the right person so fast. I'm talking like lightning speed fast. It's the fastest thing on earth, right? Sound, light, who knows? But seriously, (laughs) (laughs) all you have to do is post a job with targeted screening questions And then you can manage your job posts and contact candidates all through a single streamlined screen. 
How awesome is that? Everybody I know loves a good streamline. Who <laughs> oh, doesn't, you know? So why wouldn't you let LinkedIn jobs handle the people part for you? Mm-hmm. Because that way you can focus on running your business. And then when you're ready to make that next hire, you can find the right person with LinkedIn jobs. And actually right now, you can post a job for free. What? For free. Uh, where do I go? What do I do? Just visit linkedin.com slash girlboss. That's linkedin.com slash girlboss to post a job for free. Okay, girl bosses. Are there any of you out there that are on the hunt for the next level up in your career? I got some friends who might be interested in that. Tell me about your friends. Do they have their resumes typed? Yeah. Is their Zoom interview outfits ready to go? Got business on the top, athleisure on the bottom well, kind of thing? It might be athleisure on top and bottom, but we can fix that. So I don't know if your friends know this, but we have a girl boss job board. Oh my God. I didn't know this. You didn't? That's your role. <laughs> I know. I know. What's, what's happening? <laughs> Dropping the ball here, guys. Pick it up. So, so Okay, sorry. Hold on. Okay, got it. <laughs> There's a lot of really cool jobs on there. I just saw a job for um, Disney art director. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Youth to the people, social media Ooh, person. I love youth to the people. So good. Right? The kombucha toner. Oh, my God. Mm. For any of you other HR folks that are hiring, our listeners make fantastic employees. They're here. They're trying to educate themselves. They're trying to level up. Mm -hmm. Check it out at jobs.girlboss.com. So a lot of people are starting to make online courses. I myself am a course creator. I love it. I talked to Sophia about it in Passing the Torch. And Thinkific is a platform where you can do that. You can create, market, and sell an online course. We have one course creator here with us today. Her name is Zaylee Barclay. Thank you for having me. And she created Start, Shoot, Grow Video Academy. Hi, Zaylee. So give me the tea. Why'd you choose Thinkific? So other platforms were holding your money for 30 days. And so with Thinkific, somebody buys, you get your money. And so I really liked that um, on top of the simplicity of the platform and looking at how my students were going through the content. It was very easy for them. And then I found the other things that I loved about the platform. I loved that you didn't have to pay for extra video hosting. Mm -hmm. You can host directly in Thinkific and you're not sending your person outside to an external platform. And you can do that on the free plan. That is a game changer. And to help you girl boss listeners get on the right track, we want to actually give you the complete step-by-step -step guide on how to create and sell an online course. So go to thinkific.com backslash girl boss. And thanks so much again, Zaylee. This is awesome. I hope everybody checks out your course. Thank you. Let's rewind back a little bit. Basically, you were already working at a full-time job while you decided, I'm going to make WASI happen. Yeah. So I was actually working at a fashion design job and I was there for maybe I would say three years. It wasn't great. And I think a lot of people who work in the fashion industry have the same experience where like, you just feel like you're being taken advantage of, you're being overworked, you're being paid below minimum wage. There was days where I would call in sick and I was like, I don't want to go to work. Cause like I dreaded going into work. So just to like alleviate some of that anger and stress from work, I started sewing my own stuff and- Oh, you were anger sewing. 
F this job. Um, so yes, yeah, so that's how I started sewing my own stuff. And then I also started photographing in LA as well. So I started getting attention from the designs and also my photography. So I told myself, I was like, I can make enough money with both. Just go freelance and started my little Etsy shop at the beginning of 2017. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, so kind of wanted to hear a little bit more because I don't work in the fashion industry, but it sounds like this has been an issue or was an issue. Yeah, I don't know if it still is an issue, if it's getting better, but from my experience, I started at this last company, I would say, when was it? 2013 through 2016. And before that, I worked at a couple of other companies. So I got into the industry at the beginning of 2009, I believe. And like everybody has their own journey in the fashion industry. Some people have a great journey and some people like me have not had a great journey. I realized I experienced a lot of sexism, a lot of microaggressions, also that systemic oppression where you realize that you're being paid significantly less than your white counterparts. How did you find that out? So I was on the design team and the team was mostly white and then it was me and a Korean graphic designer and of course the warehouse workers were all Latinx and me being the only Latina on the design team the warehouse people took me in like we would have warehouse holiday parties none of the white co-workers in the design team would ever come out to these holiday parties except for like me so it was obvious how segregated it was so I grew really close to one of the warehouse workers and she helped the design team with everything so she's actually the one that informed me on how much my white coworkers are being paid. And doing the same job? Yeah, and I had been working there years prior to some of these workers. And I also had to ask for a raise multiple times. And this is funny because I was just having a conversation with a friend yesterday how, and this is a completely different industry, but she's currently seeing white coworkers be promoted and getting raises without asking. And she was told by her manager, you need to create a PowerPoint and a list of why you should get a raise. So I feel like a lot of people of color in multiple industries have to like go out of their way to create these lists and these PowerPoints to like show our bosses that we deserve the raise. So I actually had to ask twice for a raise and my work tripled to when I started. And even after asking for two raises, I was still being paid significantly less. So I think that was kind of like, all right, this isn't worth it. Like I'm working from 8 a.m. to like 8 p.m. Some days I'm the last one in the warehouse. There was like some departments that I was running on my own. Like I was doing the work of 10 people. Being a first generation kid who went into the workforce with no experience. Like I was the first one in my family to enter the workforce in corporate jobs and stuff like that. You know, my parents had their small business, so they didn't really have any tips or advice to give me when I hopped into the fashion industry. So I didn't know what I was worth. I didn't know what I deserved. And I think that's when it all clicked when I was like, this isn't right. I shouldn't be having to live in Los Angeles and be struggling at like a full-time job and be working overtime days. So I was like, okay, it's time for me to leave. (laughs) And also the emotional part you were talking about, there's some microaggressions that was happening. Oh yeah. Like, can you give an example of? There was a head designer at a job that I worked at that really was out to get me. 
And she would wait till the very last minute to give me duties to do. Like she knew I was out the door by a certain time and she would give them to me five minutes before I'm about to walk out the door. And then at one point she actually had me stay, be the last one in the warehouse to do a printing job for her and her bridesmaids. She left while I was doing her wedding gifts that was not part of my job. And I was the only one in this big ass warehouse till like 8, 9 p.m. Just little things like that. And then- Little things, (laughs) those are huge. I mean, that just like pains me. I'm sure you felt like you couldn't say no to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You knew it was wrong probably when it was happening. You're just like, I guess. Yeah. I was like, wait, this is for your wedding coming up? How, what? what? She, of course, waited till the big boss man was gone. She just had this power that she knew she had. When you kind of saw how much money you were making and the emotional energy that was taken from you, was that when you were like, I can just do Wasi? That's not even hard compared to <laughs> what this is. Yeah. I, it's crazy to see how much I didn't know my worth until then. And I was like, no, I'm an awesome designer. I've garnered all these skills all these years. I do their lookbooks. I even started doing their photo shoots and I do the graphic design and I do the printing and it all started to add up. And I was just like, I can do this. I can do it better without doing it under somebody else's name. Mm-hmm. So in a way, even though it sucked, you did learn a ton. A hundred percent. Do you mind if I ask like how old you were when you were kind of like, I don't need to do this anymore? I was 25. Oh, wow. Okay, so you're pretty young. Yeah, I'm 31. Yeah. I think I had that moment when I was like 27, 28. I feel like people say that the 27s is usually when you're just like, I'm done with this shit. (laughs) (laughs) I was going through my quarter life crisis and I was like, what am I doing with my life? (laughs) From what I was watching in your TikTok, you got furloughed. Yeah, let me tell you the journey. (laughs) Okay, let's go back. (laughs) So I went freelance at the beginning of 2017 and I was doing freelance photography while selling stuff online. I wasn't taking the business seriously. It used to be named Paragon Desert because me and a friend of mine started an Etsy shop to sell vintage. I already had the name, I already had all the stuff. I was like, there's no need for me to like create a new business. Let me just do it on the same platform. And then I would say maybe after a year, I was like, oh, people actually really like this and want to see more. This is actually becoming a legitimate business. So in 2018, I rebranded and officially started Wasi. But of course, like it's the growing pains of a small business. Customers want more, but you can't provide more since I was freelancing, like what I was getting through sales and photo shoot jobs. And it just became not enough. I went to a panel of another Latina speaking about her business and she spoke about like, there's a stigma that when you start a small business that you're supposed to do it full time and that you're not supposed to have some other full-time job that helps sustain that business. And not enough people talk about that. Because I was beating myself up that I wasn't able to sustain it fully. Mm. And I was like, I don't want to go back to a job. That's so embarrassing. And then I realized, no, it's not. Let me get a full-time job so I can help build this business more into the next level. So I found a non-fashion job and I was working there till March of last year. 
the funny thing is the plan was for me to quit that job at the end of August of 2020. I was finally going to take Wasi full time. I just need from January 2020 to August 2020. Except that didn't happen. I got furloughed March of 2020. And um, right away. Yeah. Right when it got bad over here in California. Yeah, the company wasn't doing that great to begin with. So it was just easier for them to just furlough everyone. And that was the universe being like, no, it's going to happen in March. Being in quarantine was kind of like a blessing in disguise because I had all this time to start putting all that energy towards it. And then I got on TikTok and it was like a perfect storm of a lot of things. So for the past year, I've been full-time with Wasi. I wanted to go back to what you said earlier about the stigma around starting your own business because we don't really talk about having a side job or a full-time job to support you while you're building your business. Yeah, it's hard to get funding, but it's also hard to bring in revenue from two different places at the same time. Yeah, I didn't want to worry about, do I have enough shoots to book? Am I getting enough for each? It started to become like what my parents do, like a one-stop shop. I wasn't just a photographer anymore. I was like, I offer graphic design and I offer social media that wasn't just photography. And I think that's just the life of a freelancer. You become like a multifaceted creative. But it was just like too much for me. And the business was growing. So I was like, at the end of the day, I had to ask myself, what have I always wanted to do? What's been the priority from the beginning, and that was my clothing brand. As much as I loved being a freelancer, like my first love was always being a fashion designer and having a clothing brand. So I was like, okay, let me not be that stubborn person and find a full-time job so I can help build this business to what it needs to be. I think that slashy time of your life as a freelancer, where you're essentially ideating on one business and also trying to build another business at the same time. That's what a bootstrapper's small business life is. And I don't agree that people usually know exactly how they want to grow their business in the beginning, because that's what I did. I did photography, I did styling, I did everything. And then finally, I landed on Squarespace website design, which to me was also an ego hit because I was like, but I was an art director and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, <laughs> nah, man, it's easy for me. Mm-hmm. And it's like more predictable and it's chill and I get to work with the type of people I like. I feel like you don't get that until you do all the things. Yeah. Or you don't appreciate it. But then that didn't last that long for you anyways. <laughs> <laughs> So how are you staying motivated during COVID? Was the timeline actually pretty important for you? Yeah, I got the call from my superior who was great. He was like, hey, we're all getting furloughed in case you didn't get the email. And I was like, oh, crap. I let myself just think about it, let it process for the night. And by the next day, I was like ready to work because... We didn't know what was going to happen, how long that was going to last. And I'm the type of person that deals with stressful situations really well. So I just become very proactive. So I immediately started illustrating, working on what I can do to make more sales. And that just kept going and then got on TikTok. And what got you on TikTok? I'm really tight with my niece, so she showed me all these TikToks, and she was doing the dance trends and everything. I felt too old for it, but I was, like, curious, so let me get on TikTok. Try Savage a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) And I kept seeing all this TikTok stuff, so I was like, I can't escape it, so I might as well just download it. I got on it, and then I realized that, oh, there's, like, a place for small businesses on here. 
why don't I just start doing stuff for Wasi on here too? And then I also started researching what TikTokers like Charlie D'Amelio makes. And then I started looking into TikTok houses. And I was like, this is like a completely different type of social media platform. Like, I remember reading that Rihanna had a TikTok house for like makeup artists. And I was just like, hey, well, if Rihanna sees this as a profitable place, then I can try to, to do something with it. So there's still people who don't know TikTok really well. But for those of you out there that don't, the best way to explain TikTok is, and feel free to debate me on this, it motivates you to all get on the same page through trends or hashtags. And it gives you almost instructions to create content, but also you're rewarded for making it slightly different. Instagram used to have that landing page where you could go on a hashtag and see like the top posts or locations. But with TikTok, you can literally go on the Discover page and see what hashtags are trending. And you look through them and you're like, oh, I can use this hashtag or whatever the TikTok trend is at the time. And like you said, make it your own. That's the difference though, right? Is that yeah. Instagram, you're not rewarded for copying and tweaking. Yeah. And, and you're a little shamed for that. Mm -hmm. Whereas on TikTok, it's kind of embraced. So when you first got on making content for Wasi, what was going through your head? Like looking back now. Yeah, the first TikTok I made was like a procreate video of just like something I illustrated. And I used like a trendy song. But then I got onto the small business TikTok of things. And I saw that people really loved to watch folding and packaging stuff. So I did like a packaging video. But then the first video that actually blew up was just me. I was just like, I should probably like tell people what this business is about. And people just love to hear a good story. So it was literally just me being like, hey, I'm Vanessa. This is my business. This is what it's about. Except I did a voiceover and it was before TikTok had the feature to do a voiceover. So I had to re-record and memorize what I was saying for a full minute without messing up. So it took me like three hours to do this TikTok. <laughs> and I was still so new to it. And I was so upset. I remember being in my studio with the door shut and like just repeating it over and over again. And I remember leaving and going into the living room to my boyfriend and be like, I'm so frustrated. Like I've literally <laughs> recorded this a billion times. I had 30 videos on my camera roll. And I was just like, this is ridiculous. And then I finally did one that was good enough to post. And I was like, this TikTok better do well. <laughs> uh, and it did after three hours of working on it. When I saw those TikToks of people voiceovering really fast, and they do it fast because it has to be under 60 seconds, right? Yeah. But I always was like, damn, everybody talks so fast and they know exactly what they want to say. Little but do you know. <laughs> now it's way easier to do your voiceovers. You can like pause True. and then continue. True. But look, when I uploaded the app, it was not like that. So <laughs> They added that feature real quick. <laughs> yeah. So do you record everything in the TikTok app or do you use another app? No, I actually just like record videos while I'm doing stuff. And then I just upload those on TikTok and just edit through there. And then there's another app called Splice. And then there's Prequel. My boyfriend will also get video stuff on his like high quality camera. I see. So how much did TikTok help your business? It helped a lot. I had to do maybe I would say 10 videos before the first one got any traction. And 
Beginning of April is when I got my first TikTok that did really well. What does really well mean for you? I think I got like 100k views. Wow. Yeah. And I could see an uptick on my viewers on the website and like sales spike. Last year was such a unique year that I don't think will happen again because it was just like a combination of a lot of things. All of the protests and Black Lives Matter stuff started to happen. So with you being able to reach a bigger audience on TikTok than you can on Instagram, I did these posters to help raise proceeds for Black Lives Matter and like the protests. But my brand already was the type of brand that really embraced being a person of color. That was a conscious brand. And with people being more conscious on supporting people of color businesses and shopping sustainably and ethically, that's when it just like all shot up like crazy. Because I had maybe like 5K audience on Instagram at the beginning of 2020. And it grew to 31K and about an 86k audience on TikTok. So collectively, like I gained 90k audience within the year, which is crazy to me. Can you see that on the Shopify site or No, it doesn't recognize TikTok as a social media platform, but the day that one of my TikToks blew up, I remember checking my store shot up like 3000% in one day, which was crazy, and sales shot up like crazy, so I knew it was because of TikTok. I feel like TikTok is the biggest contributor. Yeah. So do you think that it doubled or tripled in terms like revenue dollars? It tripled it. Compared to 2019, it shot up 300% last year, which is great. A lot of online businesses shot up like crazy last year. And like, it's crazy to look back at last year because it was such a unique year that won't happen again. Well, I don't know. Are you saying that because you're already feeling it or has it just been growing steadily since? It's been growing steadily since. It just, my business was like very small and unknown and just shot up and it's just been like level now. (laughs) So it doesn't seem like it was last year. Sure. But it's still great. Now I'm just like used to that growth. I don't feel like it's shooting up, but it's not bad. Going back to the timeline. You got furloughed in March, started shooting up. Are you the solopreneur? Are you the person who's running everything? Or did you have help? I have my sewers that do my cut and sew. And then I have my printer that does the digital printing. But everything else, like the photography and the marketing and the graphic design and all of the designs and sourcing, everything else in the business I do. So it's still a pretty much a one-person team. And you do all of the shipping and fulfillment too? Mm-hmm. Yeah, girl, get it. <laughs> Honestly, like that is a small business. Is there anything that you learned about having that moment of peakness and like what you're capable of doing as a solopreneur? When everything shot up, it was like finding that balance. I'm the type of person that I'll put myself last and put everybody else first. So there was days where like I didn't sleep at all because at one point I was still sewing. Having to outsource to my sewers now is a fairly new thing for me. So I think finding that balance of mental health, self-care, you need to have these breaks in between to be successful. Yeah, man, because WASI is all about being ethical, sustainably sourced, and more importantly, slow growth. What does slow growth mean for WASI? I've been subject to this in the past, but a lot of us have gotten really used to fast fashion. But with a small business that's slow fashion and slow growth, that means that the growth is gonna happen slow. And demand with my shop grew 
so fast and uncontrollable and it's these growing pains, but I have to constantly tell people that this is still a small business. As I'm growing, I'm not going to all of a sudden start producing like a bunch of inventory. Like I'm still going to be conscious about my production. For example, the inclusivity of sizes. So when you're a small business like me, I was the only sewer and like, you know, I was freelance. How much money could I afford to buy yardage of fabric? So I could only offer like one size fits most, which wasn't great or ideal, but that's all I could do. And when I started making t-shirts, all I could afford with the manufacturer was small through large. But that's grown and that's changed. And that's the slow growth of a small business. I think a lot of small businesses don't have the intention to not be inclusive. It's just us having to reframe our minds and understand how slow fashion is so vastly different than fast fashion. Like we're not going to be able to produce all of the inventory for everybody to get it on the day of launch. And we're also not going to be able to produce all of the sizes for everyone until we can afford that. Okay, yeah, the demand is bigger, but I also have to stick to what my mission is being sustainable, being low production. And how can I do that while also giving my customers what they've been asking for? And while also being ethical to you, the number one best employee of the month of the year. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I, I think that's one of the big things with fashion. How long does it take for you to make a dress or a jacket from beginning to being able to sell it? Right now, I'm working on my spring collection, and I started working on that at the end of November of last year, Mm -hmm. and it will officially all be done on the 5th of March, so it's taken months for me to do that. Even like yesterday, meeting with my sewer, even before it's supposed to be done, I'm like, oh, let's add this and let's change that, so it takes a while. It's quite a process, and it's a lot of money also out the door which is the cash flow issue of a a small business and Mm -hmm. making sure that you have enough to invest in something that's coming out in five months down the line. Yeah. You actually are kind of making a bet on as well. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I hear people saying you can't be ethically sustainable and profitable at the same time, but you believe that's possible. Yeah, I think you can be profitable and ethical. And I think the conversation with ethical fashion is a very divided conversation. People who haven't worked in the industry who don't know the domino effect of who gets paid here and there. Wasi got started because of unethical pay. I was being paid below minimum wage and trying to make ends meet, working at a full-time job. And I talk about this with my boyfriend because we've come such a long way There was times where I was working a full-time job and I was getting my groceries at the 99 cent store because that's all I could afford. Or I was selling my clothes at Crossroads or Buffalo Exchange to make rent. And that's because I was being paid unfairly at a fashion design job. So I started this business to not do that to anybody who works for WASI, including myself. So I have to pay myself ethically as well. So what would you tell another entrepreneur that is looking to have a sustainable ethical business? I think that the industry is changing, but 
creating a sustainable and ethical brand nowadays is hard. (laughs) It's a lot of work. I always tell people that if you're planning on starting your own business, you have to be okay with doing it all yourself in the beginning. What my boss told me when I quit my job, and I had a good relationship with at the last company I worked at, he told me, if you're going to go start your own business, you won't see a profit till three years in. And it's true. Like everyone that I've spoken to, you really don't see a profit till years in. Um, And I think people expect that immediate success and then they beat themselves up because they're not growing as fast as they thought they would. Um, And then a lot of business owners compare themselves to other businesses. I think it's okay to just be okay with that journey of slow growth because it's a roller coaster. There was times where I wasn't getting any sales in my store for an entire month or I would get one sale And then it shot up last year. You just have to be okay with the process. And figuring out where every piece like matters, who you produce with, what you design. And you've been able to do that. And now you've got like this steadiness, which that's the goal. (laughs) (laughs) Or at least this confidence that you can figure it out. Yeah, I think I'm better with that than I was before. Like I'd constantly freak out like, oh, I don't have enough money for next month. And now I'm like, no, this is okay. It's always going to work out at the end of the day. Like if it's a slow month, I know what to do now. What do you do? (laughs) Marketing better, doing more TikTok videos, running more ads. You do more. That's the thing is sitting back and being bummed about it definitely has not helped me. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you just need it, but you just got to keep thinking and keep coming up with new ideas and enjoying it a little bit. Yeah, that's definitely like a very important thing to just to enjoy the journey. If you have a small win, appreciate that small win. Or if you have a big win, appreciate that big win. Because if you're grateful with the universe and what it's giving you, like you'll allow more to come your way. Yeah. So in this season, we're trying to focus more on redefining success. And I was listening to this TikTok that you did about being a model minority. It hit me hard (laughs) because essentially there is these two stereotypes. You're either a criminal or you're this successful immigrant story. There's no in between. Yeah. And that video that I did, I did this panel and I never thought about it until that girl brought it up because the panel was talking about first generation. And I just said, we shouldn't have to like prove why we are here or like why our parents immigrated here. I don't need to prove to anybody. And this girl was like, I beat myself up every day because I have to like kill it over. Yeah. Over exceed myself. Like, I feel like I'm not doing enough, even for a small bit of time with my parents. They saw that I was good with my hands, and yes, they invested that money in my art skills, but my dad would always say comments like, oh, but you have, like, such good use of your hands, you should be a surgeon. And then, like, with my parents being immigrants, like, I get in my head as well, and I'm like, this was, like, before I started my business, but I told myself, you know, I need to do more. Like, I need to get to this grand life, because why did my parents come here for me to live this simple life. My parents had this entire crazy journey, this struggle for me to to build a crazy, luxurious life. 
I think that's just what we think in our heads and it shouldn't be that way. Yeah. It really hit me because I just forgot about all these conversations that I had and like, I cannot believe that this is what some people think about yeah. immigrants. Yeah. And, and then I realized immigrants believe this. Oh, yeah. You see it in media, movies. For our story to be worthwhile for anybody to listen to, it has to be some grand, inspirational come up story. You have to prove yourself as to why you're here. And then also it's like we're having to work three times as hard and we're doing it at below minimum wage. Well, I'm glad that you started the conversation because honestly, I was, <laughs> it just hit me really hard. Yeah, it's I can go on about it for days. <laughs> <laughs> well, so how do you define success today mm -hmm. and how has that changed from either when you're a kid or or even when you first started maybe a couple of years ago? Lately, for me, it's a balanced life. Being a fashion designer has been a childhood dream of mine, so it's been a life journey. But when I was a kid, I was like, I'm going to be like Valentino or Carolina Herrera, and I'm going to be showing at New York Fashion Week, and I'm going to have so many stores. And I dreamt so big, and that's that kid mentality. But as I've grown older and started this business, I'm like, there's no need for me to have a store. And if I want to, the universe will guide me to that. But I've noticed that I've been my happiest when, you know, I'm doing what I love, running my business, but also being able to like go outside into a backyard and have some downtime, super important. And I think that's where I've found my success because if I didn't have this balanced life, uh, I don't think I'd, I would be this happy. Yeah. It's time for our TikTok workshop. All right, let's get started. So do you have advice for how to grow your business on TikTok? Yes, I do. I actually <laughs> have a list for you. I'm kidding. <laughs> you do need to do quite a bit of research consuming TikTok before you understand yeah. TikTok. And whenever someone asks me, like, I don't get TikTok, I'm like, well, get on it and just start looking at stuff. Yeah. And you'll start getting it. All right, so here's the small business TikTok guide list. TikTok is a great social media platform for small businesses to grow. The first step is to create an account, which might seem easy, but I know there's a lot of older folks out there. And when I say older, I just mean 30 year olds who <laughs> I don't want to get on TikTok. Number two, make sure you have video content to use. If not, start recording everything you do for your business. Examples, packaging orders, record it. Are you running errands? Record it. Record it all so you have content for future TikToks. As mundane as that might seem, I, I still record walls of zippers because people actually love that behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. People like to see how businesses are run. You may not know, you know what you're gonna use those videos for, but it'll come to you later on. Number three, start liking content on TikTok that you would like to attract. The algorithm works with the type of content you like. So follow small businesses and you'll get on small business TikTok. This way you'll attract the audience you want based on what you like and who you follow. 
and that's how I got on small business TikTok. And once you're on that side of TikTok, you also can find really great audios that you can use for, for your own TikTok that apply to all small businesses. So there's small business audios, like a, a packaging audio. Number four, when you are ready to create your first TikTok, make sure you know trending songs and hashtags. They're usually on the Discover page. Use a trending song and that will help you garner a bigger audience as well as a following. So it's always good going through the Discover page and seeing anything that's trending to make it your own and do that. Do you go onto the Explore page once a day and just look at what the newest one is and from there you choose whether or not you want to do it or if you are inspired. I'll look to see if there's anything I could make my own that will apply to like what Wasi is. And sometimes it, it doesn't apply to me, so, which is fine, but there's always so many trends. So even just like swiping through the For You page is also great research. Number five, you can create your TikTok video on the TikTok app or use editing apps like Splice or Prequel, both great alternatives for splicing together multiple videos to create a TikTok and having the ability to add filters. So I mentioned these two apps before. Prequel has great trendy video filters like two-tone color filters or videotape 90s filter. And then Splice is pretty much like TikTok, but it just helps you splicing your videos together on that app. So if you only need to use like two seconds of a video, you can splice it through Splice. And they also have like transitions on there and other little features. Okay, six. When you are ready to upload the TikTok, make sure you use between four to five hashtags. No more than that. You will overwhelm the algorithm and it won't know where to put your content. So you'll have a better chance to land on the For You pages if you hone in on just four to six tags. Keep in mind that sometimes TikToks don't immediately get that virality. So don't ever delete a TikTok. Just set it on private if you, if you don't want it to show again and then make it available later in time and see if it does better during a different time. And number seven, sometimes your videos can go viral within hours and sometimes they go viral within weeks or months after posting. So have faith people will eventually see your content. And then like, if you do have a TikTok that does well, it's always great uh, to go live on TikTok. Or if, you're do if you have a TikTok that's also doing well, it's always good to post another TikTok that answer questions that people are commenting in videos or do a follow-up video. What I've learned is that if you have a TikTok that's going viral and it's still shooting up, going live shows your content to even more people. Number eight is things to note when you're creating content on TikTok as a small business or a creative. People love to see behind the scenes content, educational content, conscious content, feel good content, inspirational content. And if you are a small business or creative, make sure to share your mission and what you're all about. People love to hear that story. They love to see how your business works. They love to see what you're all about. But also it's important to be conscious of using also the right language on TikTok because TikTok is very politically correct. So make sure you speak 
not in a non-problematic way. <laughs> the TikTok community is actually really loving. They're way more engaging. If they love something that they see, they will go through the effort of letting you know. And not only will they be supporting you with their wallet, but they'll also be supporting you on all platforms and will be vocal about how much they love what you're doing. Number nine, note that TikTok is a great platform that still has the power for organic growth. So that's why the TikTok community is really great because they're super supportive and engaging, which I really haven't seen on Instagram. I have to, as a small business, work twice as hard on Instagram to even have an engaging audience. I saw somebody compare Instagram, it's like really curated and perfect whereas people gravitate towards TikTok more because there's a, a sense of rawness to it. So I feel like when people on Instagram see that rawness that isn't shown as often, they're like, oh my gosh, yes. Like I, th this I can engage with. I don't want that curated Photoshopped Instagram post. I wanna have like real raw conversations, which is why I think so many people have moved to TikTok more because we've all been yearning for it. At the root of it, it really is about what you as a business, what you as a person gravitate to. And you have to figure out how you like to communicate. So just have fun with it. Be real. Do the viral dances. You're going to be up really late having a lot of good laughs because that's what I do every night. <laughs> Crying tears of laughter on TikTok. So yeah, so that's your small business guide to TikTok. Thank you so much for all of your time and your beautifulness and your Bolivianness and everything. And I'm so, so glad that Priscilla recommended that I chat with you. Honestly, I've learned about myself in this conversation with you and I've learned a lot more about TikTok. So keep doing what you're doing. You're, you're awesome. Thank you. It was so, so great to talk about all the things we talked about. Yeah. We got real deep there for a second. We did. I like. I was <laughs> shedding a tear, homie. I hadn't thought about that. It was like a, it was like a therapy session. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Vanessa, love her. Living her childhood dream of being a fashion designer, and she's making clothes the way that she wants to make them, and she's using her business to represent her Bolivian culture, just like her parents always hoped she would do, and. She's really happy just running her one-woman business from the quiet corners of Pasadena. Now that's a lifestyle business. Love it. We even found out that we both love mini brands or just like anything that's mini. I feel like that's actually a very big part of the population that loves mini things. Anyways, for all of you employees and freelancers and contractors that are helping these small businesses Everybody can contribute to making a business, to making a world that you want to see exist. And share that process because we love to see the progress, not the perfection. Vanessa, you should totally put that on a hat. <laughs> I'll buy it. If you want to learn more about Vanessa and Wasi Clothing, you can check out links in the show notes. And if you enjoyed this podcast episode, we would love a review on Apple Podcasts. So please 
leave a rating. But the best way that you can support Girl Boss Radio is by hitting that subscribe button to this podcast and sharing it with your friends. This episode was produced by Carly Pryor and Juliana Clark with help from Christopher Olin, mixed by the oh-so-wonderful Stephanie Aguilar. And our editorial director is Clemence. Special thanks to Taylor, Nora Agency, Kaylee, and America. Until next Tuesday, I'm Puno. See ya.